Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Good to see all of you here this morning. I'm embarrassed to say that uh, I didn't know the game was on last night. I know, I'm so, I just cannot believe it. And so I, I had planned the night tonight. Of course, I got Cowboys tonight. And I was going to have Astros tonight. And man, I plan in the food. I'm planning when to take my nap. I'm getting ready for it. And uh, <clears throat> the Cowboys, I, I was, I'm less excited about because they need Jesus. But uh, <clears throat> the Astros have Jesus. And uh, it's showing. And so uh, anyway, something, okay, thank God I'm having all kinds of stuff. Okay. But uh, hey, good morning to you. You guys open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to continue on. Uh, you know, something we met with our architect this, this last week here. We're, 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 we're doing jot and tittle stuff, gang. I, I know you're thinking, when are we going to get this thing built? We are. And, uh, but we had, a, I don't know, two or three hours with our architect this week. And one of the things I noticed is every time we open up those plans and start going through high detail, we start changing the plan. You know what I'm saying? We scoot a wall here, we move that. Oh, we could do this and then, and, uh, and, uh, but he's, he's promised to come back with final plans uh, within the next two weeks, which we can get, uh, it's a long story, but it's just a lot of high level detail. And some of you know me well enough to know, I'm kind of like get to the bottom line kind of guy. Like said, don't tell me how to build the watch, tell me what time it is and let's move it on, that kind of thing. So uh, an architect obviously has to be a high detail person. It's kind of what I want to talk to you about today and it has to do with architecture uh, this series is called This is Church, and uh, it has an architect. The Church of Jesus Christ has an architect, and uh, we can't keep monkeying with the plan. And uh, if, if I could, uh, if I, could uh, I, I probably could change the title of my message to Stop Monkeying with the Plan. Uh, our, 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 the, the point of this series was I wanted to preach about the church, but I also wanted to talk about the vision of this church so that you'd know when we move here in a year or whatever, it's not about that building. It's not about how nice the bathrooms are going to be, and they are going to be a Bucky's bathroom, kind of, they're going to be nice. And I, all the, I'm excited about the, the building, but it's about what needs to get accomplished. It's a, it's a big old shovel, and it's about how we use that. And a part of what's happening right now, there's a spirit of the Lord is hovering over us right now, prayer preparing us for the people we're going to touch and reach there. And so I had planned to preach through the church vision. The vision is to restore every person to God, every person to God, and to the life God created them to live. That's the overall vision. And that's, the, that's just a way to say what, what the vision of Jesus is. Our mission, what are we trying to get accomplished in you? How do we get the, the vision accomplished? It's by focusing these things on each of us, that we would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Today, I was going to talk about discovering purpose, and I, I had a decent sermon uh, on the runway and, and actually ready for, ready for takeoff. And um, yesterday, I just couldn't, I, I, here's the deal. Um, you know, I, I've, I've taught a lot on purpose. These guys would know the wall to build messages and all that stuff. I, I love to teach on purpose. I love it. And I want to start in the, you know, what do you love to do? And what's your personality type? And, you know, have you taken the Enneagram or the Briggs, uh, the Myers-Briggs? And, you know, are, are you a cleric or what are, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, here's, here's, here's my deep conviction and especially over what's happening in our, on our planet right now. Uh, you can start there, 
But uh, honestly, what I did is I talked myself out of this message because of last week's message. Because last week's message, we, we stopped at Matthew uh, uh, 10, 39 that says this, if you actually wanna find out what your purpose is, stop worrying about your purpose. If you wanna discover yourself, stop looking at yourself. And so, I, and I'm for, the, I'm for your personality. I, I enjoy all that, gifts assessments and strength finders. I think that's all great. But at the end of the day, you're neither limited to what that would tell you. I mean, I'm a, again, you heard, I'm, a, I'm a, 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 a melancholy, I'm a phlegmatic melancholy. I should never be pastoring. No, I shouldn't. I mean, that's what the, the, the psycho guy told me. He said, look, you should never pastor. Take your name out of the hat. I have too much need for people to like me. At the same time, because I've been called to lead and nobody here is going to like gonna somebody here at some point is going to dislike me, and all of you at some point are going to dislike me. This is a terrible job for me to be in, except what it makes me do is learn to lean on the Holy Spirit for what isn't built in. I, I believe in all those things, but... Uh, what God put in my heart was, Randy, you're starting with the football on the 50 and it isn't gonna work. Uh, you gotta go back to foundational things and go back to the process for discovering purpose that Jesus created, all right? Go back to that. So no psychoanalysis. Uh, don't check out when I tell you what the name of the message is, but I'm gonna tell you there's a three-part plan to discovering the purpose and call of God on your life. You ready for this? Okay. It is repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. That's all you need. Repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. That is the Bible. That's the basic Bible, no tricks, no, no, nothing else. Uh, I, I wanna read you from the scripture a couple of things. Yesterday morning, the Lord gave me a word for us and for the church, and uh, as much as I'd like to preach the other message, I, I'd, I'd far prefer a word from God uh, you're going to feel some challenge in it and some push, but just know this. When God challenges, he's not angry. And if I look frustrated, sometimes I get fired up and I, I watch myself on film and go, God, settle down, Randy. Uh, I, 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 I'm just saying, man, here, 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 let's just go ahead and put it on the table. Uh, you know, this Friday night, uh, there was a special, I think it was Friday night, on CNN. Uh, and uh, Ron Reagan, little Ron Reagan, not, not the holy one. And I'm not talking to you. That's terrible. Not the Republican hero, Ron Reagan. Ron, Ronald Reagan's son, Ron Reagan, is a, is a very outspoken atheist, and he's running, he's, he's promoting a campaign. The campaign's been along for a while, but since he's put his name on it, and it's freedom from religion, and it's a, a pro-atheist thing, and, and CNN had, a, I don't know, two or three or four minutes worth of their, their TV time, which is precious to them, talking about the decline of Christianity, the uh, increase of atheism, and the group called, the, the, I think they're called the nuns, they're not, not nuns as in Catholic, but knowns or not, anyway. They have no affiliation is the, pro, is the deal. They, they, uh, in uh, 1930, there was about 90% of Americans that uh, had some uh, commitment to faith and to church membership. From 1930 to about 2000, we, we lived at about 70%, which that's great still. Uh, but it made a drastic drop in 2000 as our millennial generations have grown up. And, and by the way, if you're a millennial, this, this, isn't a, this is no way a criticism at all. You just happen to have been born when the fight that we're in is going on. This is, you guys are spirit-filled. In fact, I believe God's got a special call on, on our millennials. Um, but nonetheless, there was a drop from 70% to 50% in a church commitment, church membership, and it's on the decline. And uh, so I'm, I'm watching this, and of course, when you're, you're a believer, and especially in the Bible Belt, it, it raises the fight in you 
And uh, I, I'm not here to do a bunch of crying about how bad the world is. The world's bad. We know that. Uh, or, or to find excuses. Uh, when I read my Bible, the architect that built the church said, uh, I, I will build my church and the church I build, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. In other words, if we determine to go in any gate and save, solve any problem, according to the architect's plans, we can do it. And when I look at the news and look out there, and I just am just a common human here on this planet, I realize, quite frankly, we're getting it handed to us. Do you understand what I mean by that? We're not winning this thing, yet we're called overcomers. And the Church of Jesus Christ has has created, manufactured new architectural plans. We've been monkeying with the plan. And this morning, not to fuss and not to be some old-fashioned preacher, to go back to the, to the architect's plan to say, we need to fix this. I mean, unless you want to just keep on losing, and I'm not a loser. We're not, I'm not losing. So we're, we're going back to the architect's plan, and we're going to hand it to the devil. But until we do it, it doesn't matter how many enneagrams you take or how much we rah-rah about what we're going to do and what we dream about and how we feel and all that baloney. we got to go back to the basics of how we get to be winners and get something done and make a difference on this planet. And we do it by these three things. Repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I spent a lot of time thinking about the title for this message. It's called Repent, Be Baptized, and Receive the Holy Spirit. All right, so Acts chapter two, back at the back end, uh, uh, Simon Peter is, uh, Peter is preaching this message. The Holy Spirit has come. He's preaching. He's got a, a crowd of at least 3,000, and uh, he's going at it, and he says this, verse 36, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him uh, and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? What do we need to do? Verse 38, Peter replies, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when he did this, they didn't ask him questions. They didn't ask for technical clarification. They were so anxious to just do what they were told. They did it. And 3,000 people were saved, and that day, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church was birthed over this pattern. And as you read through the book of Acts, you can find no other pattern for the church than repent, be baptized. You're talking about water baptism, Pastor? Yes, water baptism. Today, I mean, we're kind of, I mean, I don't want to get my hair in my makeup. I just stay calm. It's simple. Repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. We do those three things, we win. All right. We go on in, and I just want you to read over my shoulder. I want you to see this pattern a little bit, and uh, then I'll make some sense of this. Um, uh, Paul goes to Ephesus. This is Acts 19. Just look over my shoulder and, and write it down. Acts 19, Paul comes to Ephesus and meets with some believers, and he asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? He asked them, no, they replied, we haven't even heard of, of a Holy Spirit. Uh, verse three, then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they said, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance. They had done that. But John himself told you to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard, say as soon as they heard. As soon as they heard. 
They, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. The power of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you continue now in Acts chapter 19, let me tell you a story. Uh, you'll find some, some folks monkeying with the plan. And what you find is some preacher's kids, seven sons, it's called the seven sons of Sceva. Uh, these guys monkeyed with the plan and uh, they saw Paul casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And so they decided, you know what? Uh, you know, we've been in church for a little while and we wanna kinda count and we're, we're getting in and figuring out the culture and when to cry and when to bow and when to lift our hands and, you know, you know, getting our game on here. So we're just gonna step out here and uh, in the name of Jesus, we're gonna cast out demons. And what I want you to, to really pick up here is they were gonna use the name of Jesus. Well, let me just read it to you and then I'll explain it to you. So these boys step up to the plate uh, to stay with our, our baseball theme for the day. Uh, and uh, the seven sons of Sceva and the priest, uh, let's see. Uh, it says, but, so, let's see, let me start. A, a group of Jews were traveling in the town, town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. S uh, seven sons of Sceva, uh, a leading priest, were doing this. But, uh, but when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, and I love this, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and beat them naked. My paraphrase, beat them naked? You have got it handed to you. I mean, when you get, you just get punched in the face. But when one guy full of devils beats you naked, I'm telling you, when I get to heaven, I'm going straight to the film room, and I'm going to dial this up. You're going to hear somebody laughing all through heaven. I'm going to be laughing like, play it again, play it again. It's going viral. Oh, but you see, what we find here is, is what we're finding in the church while, while we're losing ground. It's because these guys skipped a few steps. They skipped repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Spirit. They jumped out illegitimate users of the name. Using the Lord's name in vain, it's one of the top 10. It, yes, it does mean saying, you know, God blank, but that is the least form of using the Lord's name in vain. What happens in church world is really where this sin is, is committed. It's when you use his name to leverage your agenda. Yes. When you're trying to get, you're trying to look all big and bad, so you drop his name to say, well, the Lord told me, and he hadn't said nothing to you. You know, it's pizza or something else, or you just have an agenda, and you're just guessing because you're trying to control that person. We drop all this nonsense on each other and call it God. That is a sin, and God's not good with that. He's pretty touchy about his name. You ought to check throughout the Old Testament when he said, for the sake of my name, I'll do this, and for the sake of my name, I'll do that. You be very careful wielding a name that, that you're actually submitted to. It is not, and he is not submitted to you. These boys jumped on out there and tried to represent a name that they weren't surrendered to, nor were they empowered, nor were they legitimate, authorized by God to use such a name, and this devil beat them naked. Yesterday, when I was praying, my picture of the, the state of the church here in America, and this is what, this is what the Lord <clears throat> spoke to me. 
He says, if you continue to be your own architect, to draw up your plans for the church to accommodate the culture, to present a discount Christianity sacrificed on the altar of convenience, it will be openly humiliated while associated with my name. You'll think yourselves martyrs, but you are simply powerless because you do not bear the covenant marks. The church of Jesus Christ has tried to find some way to be in charge and in control and try to make God mind them, and it's coming home to roost right now. We're fighting a real devil, and those of you that would say, you mean, first of all, baptism is old-fashioned. Aren't devils old-fashioned? No, there's more around you than you even realize then. Uh, no, this is very, very real, and it's controlling atmospheres. It's controlling regions, and here's the deal. We have full authority if and only if we're submitted to the name we're swinging around. If and only if. And there's ways to tell if we're submitted to it or if we've got our own little version of Christianity. So I wanna, I wanna bring to you and challenge you and I wanna encourage you and I also wanna fire you up for a fight. I want you to feel like, I'm, you know, I'm tired, of, I'm tired of losing, tired of looking at the news and you know, the fact that we had to have a walk to free. There are people in the 21st century that are slaves of other people for sexual perversion for... How has that happened? Man, the church has never been more sophisticated, more educated, had better use of technology, cooler bands and cooler screens, and it isn't getting the job done. And so we've got to get our game face on and quit you know, you know, looking at our feelings to figure out, is the Holy Spirit here? And just start going back to the plan, going back to the architectural plan, and do what the Bible says that we need to do. So number one... Let's, let's just start. And by the way, we're going to spend all of November now looking at the person of the, of the Holy Spirit, looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I, I want you to know, you, you really can't do one, which is repent, if number three, if Holy Spirit isn't present. Right. In fact, you can't do much of anything that Christ asks us to do if we're not going to invite the Holy Spirit because he calls us in way over our head. Yes. And we can't do it on our own. And, I, and, I, and you know, I got to tell you something about, about this whole thing. Uh, when I read that Acts chapter 2, where he, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit came, and when Peter preached, they said, man, we know we're in deep trouble with God. What do we do to make this right? Here's what I want you to realize. That's the only question they ask. What do I have to do? Just tell me what I have to do. And, and Peter, just, it's very simple. Repent. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know the emails? I know, I know you. I even know who you are. No, I don't, I don't. <laughs> the emails that I'm gonna get are gonna be challenged. Like, Pastor, are you saying that you have to be baptized to be saved? No, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but here's what I got a question back to you. Why are you asking? What's your, what, what's your problem? Why are you even asking the question? Does the Holy Spirit come out? Is it when you get in the water? Is it after the water? Can't you receive the Holy Spirit? Would you stop asking questions? The thing I love about these guys is they were like going, you know what, we're getting it handed to us and we're about tired of it. Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. We'll just do it. <sighs> we have gotten so sophisticated and we're full of these questions and we got the Baptists and the Pentecostals and all these. Which version of the Holy Spirit are you talking about? You talking about the Pentecostal one? We're speaking tongues, you're talking about the other one. I'm talking about his version. Yeah. I'm talking the one you need. Stay with on here. I want to win, and I'm going to win, and we're going to win. Man, go back to the plan. 
This is this. So let's talk about what does it look like to repent. Let's just let's walk through that because this is what you need to know. It's going to be a lifestyle. You're going to be doing it the rest of your life. Actually, you're going to be repenting, being baptized, and receiving the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-off event, and I don't. I'll explain it. But it, it, you, this is your life, okay? And I want to look at the life of, of uh, Simon Peter. But first, I just want to read the scripture. Uh, to, to figure out how do we do this, Matthew 10, 39, uh, the message says, if, you first concern, uh, if your first concern is to look out after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you'll forget about you and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. The New Living says it this way, if you cling to your life, cling to it, you're gonna lose it. But if you'll give it up, drop the nets, let it go. Everybody say, let it go. Let it go. A whole bunch of what repentance is, it's let it go, <laughs> right? The band at the end is gonna, is gonna play that great old song. Let it go, let it go, here, let it go. Don't you, hey, I mean, l- listen, let me just say this. It, it, and, and I just heard that that'll preach. Here, here's the deal. You know, it's easy on this end to say, just let that go. You just need to let it go. You know, ever, if, you ever gotten that counsel from somebody? You know, somebody says, hey, let's just go to coffee. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, I hear that, I hear that. Okay, okay, here, listen, I've just been praying. Here's what the Lord wants you to know. J- just let it go. And you get in your car if you're, the, if you're the counselor and you think, oh, I really helped them. They needed to hear that. But if you're the, on the other side of that coffee table, you know what you're thinking? I'm gonna rip your face off. What are you talking about? If I could have let it go, I'd already let it go. Yeah. Kind of knucklehead. Don't you think I thought of that one? <laughs> let it go. That's why, gang, it's repent, let go, be baptized, which means submit and receive the Holy Spirit because the truth of the matter is all that you could let go of, you have. And there's some stuff that hangs on. The very first thing we see here, and I'm just gonna take you through some scenes for the sake of time. Luke chapter five, just take the notes. Luke chapter five, Jesus comes to get in Simon Peter's boat. Simon Peter is preaching the sermon I just described. Let's see how he discovered his purpose. And it wasn't by taking the Enneagram or figuring out whether he was a cleric or not. He was a cleric, by the way. Um, uh, cleric, anyway, he was a type A. You know how you know a type A, by the way? You know how you know? They tell you in the first three minutes of every conversation, right? Yeah. I've always wanted to say that. I, I'm not a type A, and so I've, I've always wanted to be like the guy, yeah, I'm a hard charger. No, nope. This afternoon, I'll be taking a nap, and uh, I'll be getting nothing done, and I'll be waiting for the, for the game to start. And the type A's go, no, I've got to be doing this and this and this. And so, so for all of you type A's, big woo. All right. Simon Peter was a type A, but that had nothing to do with this. Uh, the very first thing we find is that he, he was learning repentance. And the first way we know that is Jesus came, got in his boat in Luke chapter five. Uh, he's just a redneck fisherman, been fishing all night. Jesus jumps in the boat and uh, preaches probably for an hour, two hours. Jesus couldn't be a little long, winded, you know. And uh, so Simon Peter's been up all night. He's probably dozing and going, goodness, what is this guy? Then, Simon, then Jesus says, hey, push out. Let's do a little fishing. And here's one of the first things you learn about whether you've got a potential disciple or not. This is a fisherman who knows fishing. And he says this to Jesus. Jesus, look, you're a preacher. Love it. I don't try to do your thing. You don't try to do mine. We've been fishing all night. I know how to do this. If we push out there, we're not going to catch anything. But at your word, at your word, we'll do it. Man, Jesus knew all then. Aha, this could be this could be one of those. Goes out there, you know the story, they catch a bunch of fish, they get all excited, call for help. But at this point is when Peter realized who just got in his boat. 
He realized this is holiness, and he didn't have the language that he would have in Matthew 16 and all through there where he'd say, you are the Christ. He didn't know that. he just know, I'm unholy, and I'm in the presence of holy, and I'm in a, I am in a mess. And this is what he said, depart from me. We don't belong together. I don't fit you. You and I don't go together. And when you're present, I feel awfully unholy. Now, the way we actually start to become a disciple is that the presence of God, not by some lawyer-esque explanation of why you shouldn't go to hell and all those kinds of things, the way you actually get saved, the way Peter preached it and they were pierced to the heart, it wasn't because of his preaching. It's because the Holy Spirit's presence came, and when God's presence comes in a room, all of us, if you've been saved 100 years or if you've never been born again, in the presence of holiness, the number one felt need is not your feelings, it's not your fears. The number one feeling, the, the, the felt need in the presence of holiness is, I am in big trouble, and my biggest need is that I need to be made righteous or I'm going to die in the presence of this holiness. That's what pierced to the heart. That's what salvation, that's how it gets birthed. And the Holy Spirit comes to awaken that in our hearts and I would encourage you. We want to encourage that. We want the presence of God. He, if, if he doesn't come to our church, it doesn't matter who else comes to our church. He's a member here. He's been through next steps. He's a member here, just so you know. <laughs> so he comes, but the first repentance, and this is what I do want you to know. The first repentance is just repentance of sin. Repent from your sin. Pastor, I can't even remember all my sins. I know, and uh, neither can I. Uh, the point is not so much the individual actions. The point is you have a value system that you've built your life on, and it really has to do with you and, and me too, and we're just selfish by nature. It's just our nature, and it doesn't go away just because you get saved. But when you're living to, 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 to try to figure out how to bring glory to yourself, how to get prestige, and how to make sure you're having fun, and how to medicate all the stuff that you can't figure out why you hurt when your head hits the pillow at night, and all of the sex, and all the money, and all the just doing, the point is not just those individual sins. The point is a life that's built on me first, on selfishness. Listen, you can't just drop that. You can't just let it go if you don't have help. And the beautiful thing, even though it seems impossible, the beautiful thing about coming into the presence of holiness is you realize, I've got to let this go, but I don't know how. I can't even envision how it could happen. And that's why a guy like Peter says, I've got to get away from you because I cannot live in this tension. And yet Jesus said, just hang with me. We're going to fix that. Need the Holy Spirit. Gang, I would tell you here today, if, if you're here and you're in str struggling with sin and there's nobody here that's anything but flesh, and if it isn't today, it's next week, and if it's not next week, is today. Uh, if you're here today struggling with sin, there's, not, there, there's nothing weirdly wrong with you. It means you're human. And if it especially gets ignited when you come into the presence of, of worship like this and you feel like, oh, man, if you even knew what I did this week, and guess what? He does, and there is therefore now no condemnation. It doesn't mean that the sinning is okay. It means there's something behind it that's driving you, and he wants to free you from that. Your job is to bring it to him and say, God, I'm filled with selfishness, and I'm, I've built my life around it. I don't even know how to restructure to say, you know, how, how do I live for somebody else? Would you help me? And here's what, you're, he's gonna help you. He's gonna help you. What'll be huge is being baptized. What, what, what's with the baptism thing here? Uh, one of our, our special forces guys that, that's uh, done a lot of stuff was up earlier in the first service, and he said, you know what? Uh, when I was saved, Jesus saw me as clean, but I didn't. He said, but when I got baptized, and he got baptized right there, he said, when I came out of that water, something happened, and I could see that I was clean. Isn't that great? 
First Peter tells us why. First Peter tells us that baptism is, is, a, is, is a way that the conscience is cleared. Because of the water, because of obedience. Yes. Yeah. Repenting of sin, let go. Uh, number two, let go of the way you, you find your value. This is where, if you will, he was working, he had built his business, and this is how we make our money, and this is what makes me, me. It says at the end of Luke 5, it says they dropped everything. They dropped their nets and said, we're going to follow you. We're going to follow you. Again, that doesn't mean that, you, that repentance means you quit your job. But it does mean that all the, all the things that you build around what that job can do for you, you start realizing, God, if you want me to keep doing this, yes. If you got something else for me to do, this is big. I just want you to know, I'm, I'm letting go. I'm letting go of my life. Today's version of Christianity, and it isn't Christianity, but it's the discount version, the, the, no, the lower-priced one. We tend to, to walk along. The old version goes like this. We're going one way. Jesus is going that way, and he says, follow me. And you stop where you're going and go, oh, I'll follow you. That's actually what the word repentance means. It means to change direction. Well, the new tricked-out version is this. I'm walking along, I see Jesus is going that way, I hear the message and I sign the card, and here's what I say, Jesus, you can join me. I don't plan to change a thing. If that's you today, you're not saved. You're not saved. And I don't say that to be all fussy and talk like a cocky preacher or nothing like that. I'm just saying it to say at some point we've gotta get past trying to save your feelings so that your spirit can be saved, right? Our current version of church has so overly focused on saving folks' feelings, and our culture is just saturated with this nasty thing, so much so that we've reduced truth to say, if truth hurts your feelings, then we're going we're gonna to promote feelings over truth. The truth is what you need to set you free. And, I don't, and I'm trying not to sound like a cocky preacher because I am the worst sinner in this room. I promise you, I've, been, I've repented for more sin than all of y'all put together. Look in the Guinness Book of World's Record. You will see my name right there and my picture. <laughs> Terrible, awful, repents a lot kind of guy because there's nothing but nasty flesh here. Woe is me, but praise God for Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, so we're, 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 we're dropping that. Number three, we let go of. Everybody say let go. We let go of our system of judging others. This is big. And you're going to do this a couple of times. Let go. Luke chapter 6. Now we move past chapter 5. Jesus now has these three new Jewish recruits, very Jewish guys, raised in Jewish synagogue. And the first thing he does with them is he takes off walking and says, Hey, fellas, uh, hey, there's a leper over there. Let's go touch him and heal him. Now, you got to understand, these Jewish boys have been raised to, to, to know. I mean, they know it, knew it in their heart. If you see somebody with leprosy, it's because they've committed such a vile sin or for some reason God has cursed them with that sickness. They're not just diseased. They're evil and cursed by God. Stay away from them. That's what they were taught. This is deep in them. The leper was those people. Do you have any those people in your life? Those people, and Jesus walks right up to the guy, and the audacity touches him. Oh, these Jewish boys are going, oh, my God. Oh, mm, mm, mm. I can't believe. They're freaking out. 
Because what's getting called for them to drop is your judgment on that person. And if that didn't make them sick enough, before they could even get their stomachs, he said, hey, and we need some more guys on the team. So let's go find us a tax collector. And as you just keep reading through Luke, <laughs> they go straight to Matthew's. And this is a Jewish trader, a trader. That's what a tax collector word. And if that wasn't bad enough, you keep reading Luke chapter six, they all go to a party that was filled with more tax collectors and sinners. And what was happening in this repentance that Jesus was leading them into was they were having to let go of their arrogant judgment and who those people are. When I was 16 years old, I went to a church camp. I'd saved, uh, of course, when you're, anyway, you're raised like me, you're saved two or three times a week. So, but anyway, it's another story. That's bad theology, by the way. So anyway, but I'm, I'm trying to be right with God, 16 years old, walk out of this church camp, uh, open air uh, chapel at Kerrville, and I get 12, 15 feet out of it, and I just stopped because it felt like I walked into a room. Felt like things closed in around me. People were kneeling around, but I couldn't hear them nor see them. It's like I walked into a private conversation, and it was the presence of God. And it was the moment, I didn't hear anything, I just was frozen. I looked up, I don't know how long I was there, but I knew something was being communicated into my spirit that I could not quite discern. But I knew the right response was this, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I mean, I'm not just saved, I'm yours. I'll do anything you want me to do. Left that time, years passed, two or three years later, uh, I'm remembering that, but I'm, I'm having a conversation that I was so proud of when I had it, okay? And it's gonna shock some of you that are maybe a little younger, but just give me a little grace, let me get through it. Um, I, I'm praying the same prayer, and I said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I know you're proud of me. And, uh, and I know I'm, I might be your number four hitter on the team. I mean, it's good that you have me. I, I was just saying, look, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go, I'll speak to anybody, but God, I cannot speak with homosexuals. Can't be around them. I said it just like, like I know you're probably proud that I'm saying, I know you already know this and it's probably not a big deal. I just wanna let you know, I just can't deal with it, God. Can't deal with it. They are those people. And I get done with my prayer and I think, yeah, I feel great. Two weeks later, I go to a friend of mine's birthday party and Jimmy, and Jimmy's probably watching, thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy was very newly saved so he hadn't learned from the church how to have those people. So he invites those people to his party. And uh, gosh, you young believers. Uh, but so he, he invites a, a, a man that was 33 years old, bald head, African-American man uh, that liked me. I mean, liked me. Uh, I, I mean, I, I remember calling, you know, he started calling my house because Jimmy gave him the number. <laughs> and he starts talking about our relationship. And I'm crawling out of my skin. I'm like, hey, football player, hey, you know, I'm trying to be like, and it's just so, uh, and, and I'm telling you, when I would try to speak back, this is back when phones were attached to the walls. You guys wouldn't know anything about it, but when they were attached to the walls, I'm sitting there and everything in me wants to scream, you, I can't tell you, but, uh, 
in that. That's what I wanted to say. And I'm telling you, I would start trying to say something that I really felt. And all I could could do, I opened my Bible, and I felt God tell me, you tell him about me. You tell him about me. Pastor, did you feel it? No, I didn't feel it. I was crawling out of my skin. But I just started saying, I just started reading the, the Bible to him. And I would talk to him. And we'd talk about this very super intelligent guy. And we'd talk about the word. And he was reading it. He was studying stuff. And over about three weeks, a month, he called just about every night. And every time I'd go, oh, ah. And every time I would, every time, it's like the Lord was, and I just feel the Lord looking like this. You say what I tell you to say. Pastor, God's not like this. Well, you, I, yes, he is. Yes. Yes. When you've said, I'll do whatever you say, and then you say, but I won't do this. Here's what God said. Those people are who I built my church for. And you're of those people. And there are no those people. This went on for about a month before I said, look, I've done what I could do for you. Praying for you and all that. Did it ever, it was was awful. But God spoke to me and he said, you don't ever tell me what you will not do. It was just that strong. Do you have a those people in your life? It's what repentance looks like. It's tough, yeah. You're gonna need help because once you get that prejudice stuck in your head, you don't just decide one day, oh, I'm gonna think differently about this. I gotta tell you though, today, possibly some of the most, the people that draw compassion out of me the fastest and the quickest are young men and women that are attracted to, to same-sex attracted. I, I understand, I, I can't even tell you. I, I say I, I just love them. I understand they're in a chaos they never chose. All the political goofiness that we in the church do to make them those people. Do you know that we're known, the church is known for creating those people enemies? We're known for it. Oh, not among ourselves, we're, we cover ourselves. But out there on the field where it actually counts, where, the, where there's wins and losses and people live and die and people are saved and unsaved, out there where it actually, it really counts, we have a reputation for putting those people in a box. And we need a move of God in the church. I'm not talking about that. We need a move in the church for us to repent and let go of all of these little people boxes that make us feel so superior because we can stick. Look, every individual is unique. Drop it. Peter goes on, and this is the, we could go all day. Peter goes on as we keep looking at his life, though. He had to let go of that, but he reaches a point where he's got to, and this is going to be the tough one, let go of control. I mean, I mean, really let go of control. Jesus starts to describe the plan to him, and just, just before Jesus describes the plan, uh, Peter's like superhero. He's like, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. This is the Matthew 16 stuff. And, uh, and Jesus said, man, that's fantastic. God spoke that to you because there's no way on the earth you would have thought of that. And so uh, he goes all the way through it, and then Jesus says, okay, guys, I gotta tell you, here's the plan. I'm going to die. I'm not gonna be the king like you think, and you guys aren't gonna sit on my right and my left and all that stuff. No, I'm going to die. It's gonna look like we lost this thing, but in order to win it, I gotta lay down my life. This is where Simon Peter, and from this point on, he starts to unravel because here's what he thought. 
wait a minute, whoa, wait a minute. I did not sign up for that. Jesus, you've been fine up to now and I've taken all the criticism and it's been quite, it's been a lot. But I'm not standing for this. There's no way you're gonna go and die. You're gonna mess this whole thing up. Man, we are packing stadiums and selling books and we, got, we are rocking it. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You got your mind on the things of men, not on the things of God. Ooh. And it's from this point on that we start to see Peter start to unravel. Uh, he, he fights about who's the greatest in the group, his knuckleheads. They, they go to the garden for prayer, and this is where you can really tell that you're really trying to control things. Anybody here ever uh, realize that God, I mean, he listens to you, but you're not in charge. You don't, prayer is not telling him what's going to happen. Does anybody else pray just to hear yourself talk? It's kind of like, this is, Lord, this is what we're going to be doing, and this isn't, it's like, are you asking? I actually didn't want to. I was just going to inform you. Simon Peter hit this point in his walk, and he shows up to a prayer meeting, and a very important prayer meeting. This is a fisherman, but he shows up wearing a sword. This is a fisherman. Shows up in the garden of Gethsemane, packing heat. Now, God, I'm not picking up my nets, but I'm sick of being hurt. I'm tired of being disappointed. I'm tired of praying for somebody and saying, God's going to heal them, and then I'll bury them the next week. I'm getting really tired of this, and I'm getting tired of Christians. I got a perfect God with a perfect son and a perfect Bible, and I expect a perfect life, and it's really pretty cruddy right now, and it's been cruddy a long time, and I've been faithful. I'm tired of taking it. People, I'm not picking up my nets, but I am going to carry a sword, and I will cut you. You know any believers like this? Are you one? Oh, yeah. See, let the next person walk in my office and tell me this. I'll tell you what I'm going to tell. Tell you where you can put that. I'm saying you get in this, this thing, and we know what happens. The Romans come up to get Jesus. You know what? Mr. In Control. I brought heat. I got this, Jesus. Know what Jesus was saying? Let it go. Put it down. Uh-uh, I got this. Swings for a guy's head, misses totally, cuts his ear off. You little fella, Malchus. Cut the guy's ear off. This is the apostle. This is supposed to be the first pope, Peter. Is losing it. You know why? Because the plan isn't going like he thought Jesus would do. And he's, he can't boss Jesus around, but he's sure trying to get control of this plan, but he's melting down. And instead of Jesus going, good job, you got him. Jesus said, Peter, put the sword down. Quit trying to cut everybody. What kind of Christian faith is that? Think you're accomplishing something. You're trying to take control. And then Jesus, the audacity of Jesus, he reaches over to Malchus, whose ears lying on the ground. And he didn't pick up that ear. He just said, Malchus, put that in your pocket. You get, a, you get double for your trouble. And he heals, he heals the guy's ear. Now hear me, 21st century sophisticated believers. The people you're trying to cut, Jesus is trying to heal. Right?
we are uncomfortable not being in control. I preached somebody brought a word to me this Tuesday morning. Pastor, we were having our morning prayer. He says, I wasn't coming to prayer this morning. Woke up at 4.30 this morning, and the Lord told me to come tell you, be comfortable not knowing. <laughs> comfortable? It was comforting because it was the Lord saying, I know you struggle with this. You want to know the whole detailed plan, when, where, how, and I'm, me and you and everybody else. And it's just good to know I can't control it. Let go of control. Peter continues to melt down, and you know what? At this point, can't control it, can't get Jesus, can't get his Christian faith to work. Kids are going crazy, wife's nuts, everything's going crazy. Where are you, God? Goes and he, they ask him, well, do you follow Jesus? Heck no. No, I don't. Blankety blank, you know, prison words. Blankety blank, 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 blank. Cusses on one of the situations. Done. I'm out. It's not that I don't think Jesus is awesome. It's not that I don't want to have a vision and purpose with him. I can't do this. And he did go back, and you know what he did? Went back and picked his nets up. I'm out. I got to go back to something I know how to control. I am not up for this stuff. He goes back to fishing. You know what Jesus did? Made him breakfast. You know what, this was the best. Jesus finally said, do you want to know how to discover your purpose? You know how you preach and you see 3,000? 3, well, you got to go through next steps. And you're gonna, yes, that will help you. But it starts with this. you got to come to the end of yourself and all your plans. you got to quit looking at yourself so that you can actually find yourself. He burned completely out and quit. And now, Jesus said, Now. Peter, this is all I want to know. Do you love me? Peter answered him honestly. Do, do I agape owe you? Do I love you that much? No, I don't. I love you this much. But, I, but you know I love you this much. Do you agape owe love me? No. Jesus, you've embarrassed me in front of all the guys anyway. This is who I am. This is all I got, and it's not worthy of you. Remember Jesus kept telling him, go feed my lambs. Get out there on the field and hit somebody. Get to work. You are now at the point where you realize there's nothing you actually bring to the table. You are dependent on me, and I can actually now use you. Repentance, what does it look like? I want you to know, all you good Christians, if you're new to faith, you will go through the cycle I just described. You will go through it. Not me, I said, no. I don't care what classes you go, what books you're reading, Beth Moore and all that, I love Beth Moore. This is how you grow. And here's what you're going to learn. If I don't have the Holy Spirit, I, I, I can't do this. You must repent, let go, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, regarding baptism, what does that mean? Let me go real quick. We're going to talk a lot more about the person of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> In the coming weeks, Colossians says this, when you came to Christ, you were, circumcised, you, uh, you were circumcised, but not with physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you will be raised to new life uh, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And let me just make this real simple for you. In the old covenant, the covenant mark, the covenant mark was circumcision, cutting away of, the, of a sensitive part of a, of a male body, and that was the covenant mark. You hear all this stuff about they were uncircumcised Philistines. What they were saying is those guys don't bear the covenant mark, and we do, so we're in covenant with God. 
That's done away with, but not circumcision altogether. In the New Testament, the covenant mark, do you know what it is? It's right there. Pastor, you said you don't have to do that to be saved. You don't. What about the thief on the cross? So if your hands next Sunday are nailed to the cross in both feet, then you get a pass. <laughs> this doesn't save you. This is how God, this is the method that God said, this is how you will convey that you meant what you said. This is how you know you're sincere. But what about my hair, my makeup? That was old-fashioned, and I was baptized as a child. This is a believer's baptism. Wonderful what happens as a child if somebody dedicates you to the Lord. That, that isn't it. This isn't about salvation. Again, one of our guys said, when, when I got baptized, when I got saved, Jesus saw me as clean, but I didn't see me as clean. But when I came out, out of those baptismal waters, when Pastor Dale lifted me up, it was like a miracle. I saw myself clean. First Peter tells us this, that the baptism is a healing to your conscience. Here's what baptism is. I submit. I submit. The church isn't built on people with bright ideas telling God new ways to do it. It's built on people who will say, I let go of my old life. I submit. I submit. You say baptized. The very first opportunity you get to convey without these words your sincerity is by saying, I submit. You know that Jesus was baptized? You know he repented? Jesus repented, was baptized, and received the Holy Spirit. He, not, he didn't have to repent of sin, but he had built quite a carpentry business. That's what his identity was built around. That's what he was known for. And when he came up to the water's edge, you know what he did? He let down his hammer, and he said, God, I'm ready to do what you sent me here to do. I'm here to discover purpose and make a difference. I'm here to do what only I can do because this is what you've assigned me to do. I submit. Did he want to? No. If there's any way, let this cup pass for me. Let it pass. But nevertheless, I submit. His submission to the cross. Here's what that, that represents. He said, God, if, if I maintain my life, I can stay alive and I'll, I'll be in control and I'll know I get to live. But if I submit and die, I'm totally dependent on you raising me back. And if you don't, I'm, I'm, I'm sunk. I trust to, to go into death. I trust you to raise me again. I trust, I submit. This is the church Jesus started. This is what it looks like to be a part of it. I submit. I let go of my life. Holy Spirit, come. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, you're in this room and you're walking. I just believe you're walking these aisles. Some very precious people are here, so, so desiring to please you and to follow you. And Lord, we've all been fed a whole bunch of other versions of the plan. 
And Lord, for convenience sake, me and guys like me have monkeyed with the architecture. We repent. Ask you to forgive us. We start afresh today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move through this room and anyone that's not genuinely born again of your spirit, thank you that you brought us here today. Thank you that you brought them here today so that we could be made right. We feel like we don't belong in your holiness. That's the right feeling. That is how you know. My number one felt need is to be made right in the presence of holiness. Come Holy Spirit and convict us of sin. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving and speaking to some of you about specific areas that you're struggling to let go of. Don't feel guilty. It's not about guilt, though. You're going to feel some of that. It's a dealing of holiness saying, let me help you let that go. Let me help you let that person go. Put the sword down. Just receive that if that's for you. I want to lead us all through a salvation prayer as well as the Holy Spirit is dealing in this room. If you've never received Jesus as Savior, it won't be these words that save you. It'll be a genuine desire in your life to say, God, I surrender my life. I lay it down to you and I submit. And come Holy Spirit, I want the real deal. If that's you and you're not sure of your salvation or you've never been saved, I'm gonna lead us all through a salvation prayer. If you'll believe and reach to God with these words, you will be saved. Heads bowed and eyes closed, everybody praying with me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you and I'm completely responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me. He bled for me. And he died for me so that I could be saved. So that I could give you my life. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I receive forgiveness of my sin. And I lay my life down. I lay my life down. I give it to you. Do anything you want with my life. I submit. I commit to the waters of baptism. I commit to be baptized. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. Praise God. Heads it bowed and eyes closed. Just one last thing. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you lift your hand boldly just to say, I've given my life to Christ today. Praise God. I appreciate that. Appreciate these hands. See those up there in the balcony. See those up here in the balcony. Excellent. 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 And put your hands down. Gang, I'd like you to stand to your feet like prayer teams to come to the front. I appreciate that the Holy Spirit is doing something in this church, gang. And so I just encourage you, be here and be in these worship services. I don't have much more definition than, than God is up to something here. He's building his church. 
in a moment, if you need healing, if you need help, if something's stirred in your spirit and you, can't, you don't even have a good language for it, but you just come up and let these folks pray for you, all right? As I dismiss here in a moment, if you need personal prayer, let these folks pray with you, all right? Let me bless you. We'll call it a day. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that you're here and that you're at work in our lives. And thank you for so many of us that gave life, that we gave ourselves to you afresh today. Lord, thank you for the waters of baptism that next week, next week, many people in this room for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time are going to come and say, I submit. I'm, I submit. I lay my nets down. I lay the sword down. I lay control down. I just submit afresh. I just pray over those services, and I thank you that the work, the work you're doing right now and the beckoning that you're doing to some believers in this room to say, come let me do a work next week in those waters. I bless that service. Lord, as well, this final act of worship is in the area of our, of our finances. We bring our tithes, our offerings, all of our financial life. We lay it down before you. And Lord, you've given us another directive, just like baptism, to say this is how you submit your finances. Bring the, the tithe, the first and the best, 10%, and trust me to bless the other 90. Lord God, I bless the tithe right now in Jesus' name. And all of us that are bringing that, all the gifts, Lord, as you speak to different people to say, I want you to give there, help this. Lord, we just release God now in Jesus' name. Lord, that building, thank you, God. It's paid for because you're blessing this people to pay for it. And that building is more about what's going to happen to the people in that building than it is the building itself. Lord, would you, God, put your foot on the gas pedal and move that thing forward. Bless it, God. Bless it and bless these people and bless our finances. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.